Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm Doris Hansen, your host. We're here every single Thursday night to bring information to the table about Mormonism, early Mormon doctrine as taught by Joseph Smith and other polygamists. And of course, we compare what they taught with the Bible. You know, times do change, but God does not change. And He doesn't have to change to fit the times, and neither does His doctrine have to change to fit the time. His standards never change, and of course His words will never change. His expectations never change. His church doctrines will never be different, and the gospel will never change either. And His model for monogamy in marriage has not, nor will it ever change. God remains the same with no shadow of turning ever. We'd like to welcome to our show again tonight our guest co-host Earl Erskine. <coughs> He's with us uh, to talk about the strange <laughs> teachings. We covered a few. <laughs> there's a few left, aren't isn't there? <laughs> right, aren't there's there? a few. Yeah. Actually, we started this out as one show and it's morphed into three I shows. Know. It's just so fascinating to <laughs> kind of revisit these strange doctrines and practices of right. and, early and, Mormonism. And probably most of them, most polygamists or, or even people in the mainline church are not aware that these That's some good. of the, these things were ever even said. Yeah, and they're right in Mormon uh, uh, literature. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah, just right there are. for them to read. Somebody said, and, and I probably will mar remark on it later tonight, that Mormon history is anti-Mormon. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that's where we get all our information. Well, the Book of Mormon is, and a few other things are just, they just mm -hmm. don't talk about the things yeah. that the church talks about these days. Right. Uh, we have focused on the um, odd teachings of early Mormonism, um, and they because they are foundational on which the Mormon kingdoms rest, and there are many Mormon kingdoms, and many breakoffs from the original early Mormon church organization, and each one of the breakoffs, all the polygamy groups in the church itself, claims to be the only true kingdom of God. So That's there are Mormon <laughs> kingdoms, yeah. And I need to to make a few comments on uh, regarding last week's show where we talked about Adam and Eve uh, and their sin in the Garden of Eden, that it really could not have been a good thing, even though Mormonism claims that it was. We had several responses from viewers, calls on the show, and also emails. So I thought it might be a good idea to visit that again tonight, just, just briefly. We must conclude that those who say that it was God's plan for Adam and Eve to sin actually cannot know God nor His character. Because if they did know God, they could not believe for a second that God wanted Adam and Eve to disobey His command. God cannot sin nor can He be the author of sin. God is too holy to look at sin. That's why He turned from Jesus on the cross, because the sins of the world were placed on Jesus and He was made sin for us and God can't look at sin, so He had to turn away from Jesus. And these things matter. People might say, well, what do the details like that matter? They matter. We can't just shrug them off as being incidental because they're not incidental. Truth is imperative. Jesus said, God looks for worshipers who will worship Him in spirit 
and in truth. God does not set us up to sin and then punish us for sinning. God did not make it part of his plan that Adam and Eve were required to sin. He planned for his response, but that does, isn't saying that they had to sin. And it, it's the same with us today. God knows no. that we're going to sin every day. He knows we'll sin, but he doesn't set us up so that we have to sin. And he has a remedy for sinners. And it isn't Mormonism and it isn't polygamy. They have nothing to do with part of God's plan. God's holy character and Mormonism's portrayal of God's character are diametrically opposed to each other. You have a quote from Psalm 11. Yeah, from Psalms 11:5, it says, The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked and those who love violence, his soul, his soul hates. People might be surprised to find out that God hates. Yeah. I mean, when it says his soul hates, hates he's violence. talking about people that he, the, the, the things they do, he hates. Well, God hates. So I wonder if people is going to call him a hater, you know. Um, we have another one in Psalm 34, verses 15 and 16. Yeah, it says, the, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, <coughs> excuse me, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. So how could they say that Adam and Eve was required to do these things that God hates, yeah. uh, that he doesn't like, that he has to turn his face from them? These verses explain, of course, why we need Jesus. Only in Jesus can God accept a sinner. We are cleansed of our sins only when our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. And only then are we able to face a holy God 100% by grace, not by religion or ritual or marriage or polygamy or Joseph Smith. None of these things have any power to allow God to accept sinners based on their own merit or good works. In the next verse, we can see God's character revealed. Habakkuk? Glad you said that. <laughs> uh, chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. So God hates sin. His yeah. character is he hates sin. He couldn't have planned Adam and Eve and required them to sin and then punish them for sinning. God hates sin. He hates lies and violence and disobedience, and he hates a false gospel. And finally, if it had been God's plan and requirement for Adam and Eve to disobey, yeah. I have a question. Why did they hide from him in the garden? Such a good question. <laughs> if, he, if he had wanted them to do what they did, and if it was a good thing for them to disobey him, when he came looking for them in the garden, they would have come up to say, Here we are, God. We did what you told us to do. We disobeyed you and ate the fruit. But instead, they turned and they ran and they hid from yeah. him. So, uh, such an excellent point. And I like the point that was made last week by the one caller that said, uh, if Satan had known this, and he should have known this, that he could have frustrated God's plan by not having them eat the fruit. By it not been just slither in there and tempting them. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting in the, the mainstream Mormon temple ceremony, it talks about um, God asking Satan, why are you doing this? And he says, I've been doing this as, I'm doing this that's been done in other worlds. Hmm. So Satan knew what he was doing, presumably, mm -hmm. so he was actually falling into God's plan. Well, no, Doesn't make sense. not even, not even, <laughs> no. that's not even close to who God is no. or his, 
his purposes. So let's finish on the strange teachings of early Mormonism, uh, many of which, of course, to remain in today's Mormon polygamy groups. Uh, Joseph Smith circulated shocking stories of people that he didn't trust or whom he didn't like, stories that were designed specifically to ruin their reputations. He assassinated characters of people who doubted or questioned him or who chose to leave his new religion. And of course, that practice continues today in all of the Mormon kingdoms. He convinced many members who trusted him that his own character was blameless, that he was not guilty of adultery as rumors were accusing him of doing, when actually his adultery knew no bounds. Sidney Rigdon acknowledged in an article in The Messenger and Advocate of June in June of 1845 that Parley P. Pratt had advised church leaders how to support Joseph Smith, and this is what he said. He says, we must lie to support Brother Joseph. It is our duty to do so. Now, here's the foundation <laughs> of their church. Yeah. Let's lie about it. Yeah. yeah. Adam and Eve had to, had to disobey, and now these guys have to lie. And the lies of the church and of polygamy group leadership continue without hindrance, clear up to this day, even as we speak, they're lying to you. They're lying without regret, without apology, and without repentance. In fact, in a few weeks, we're going to be devoting an entire show on Mormonism's unwritten policy, but obvious practice and history of lying for the Lord, especially as it concerns the practice of plural marriage. So let's talk about another strange teaching of the right. early Mormon polygamous church, which is that Jesus was a polygamist. Yeah, these are so interesting if you've never read these before. From Orson Pratt, the seer, it says, One thing is certain, that there were several holy women that greatly loved Jesus, such as Mary and Martha, her sister, and Mary Magdalene. And Jesus greatly loved them and associated with them much. And when he arose from the dead, instead of showing himself to his chosen witnesses, the apostles, he appeared first to these women, or at least to one of them, namely Mary Magdalene. Now it would be natural for a husband in the resurrection to appear first to his own dear wives, notice the plural, yeah. and afterwards show himself to his other friends. If all the acts of Jesus were written, we no doubt should learn that these beloved women were his wives. My goodness, that's, that's really quite blasphemous. Um, <laughs> sure sounds like and that it. was from Orson Pat, Pratt. He wrote in The Seer, page 159. Now, Orson Pratt was a seer, and he was also designated as being able to prophesy the Doctrine and Covenants, has yeah. that verse. But, you know, we need to talk about this. Jesus kept the law. Um, and he kept the law perfectly all the time. If he hadn't kept it perfectly, he could not have risen from the dead, defeating sin and death. And then if that had been the case, then we would all have been eternally lost. But Jesus did rise from the dead, and he is king of kings. That's very important. That title is very important to this discussion. If Jesus had been a polygamist, we could never have had redemption. Because Deuteronomy 17, 17 forbids the king of Israel from taking multiple wives. 
On his cross was the sign above Jesus' head, King of the Jews. And Jesus was King of the Jews, and he kept all the law all the time, including Deuteronomy 17, 17. He was the only perfect person who ever lived, so we know he never broke any of the laws, and he never disobeyed Deuteronomy 17, 17, so we know he could not have been a polygamist. Another strange doctrine. Did just you have to to say? Yeah, just to finish up on that, uh, somebody mentioned that uh, it's interesting all the other members of Je Jesus's family were mentioned in the New Testament, but nobody mentioned his wife. That's a good point. Yes, yeah. his his mother and brothers sisters, and sisters, father and father. Well, yeah, but no <laughs> well, no, wives. No, no wives. And of course, we were taught growing up that Jesus. That's why he was crucified was because he was a polygamist and it was so against the culture for him to have been that's why a polygamist. That's crucified. why he was crucified. Oh yeah, that's goodness. I remember my other teaching us that. Oh wow. T such a twisted, twisted yeah. thing. And Scary. I don't know, you know, I don't <laughs> know how many polygamists uh, are taught that today. But another strange doctrine goes along with this and that yeah. was that Jesus was married and, and fathered father children. children. It says this is Orson Hyde in the Journal of Discourses. It says I discover that some of the eastern papers represent me as a great blasphemer because I said in my lecture on marriage at our last conference that Jesus Christ was married at Cana of Galilee, that Mary, Martha, and others were his wives, and that he begat children. So here we have, uh, the, now he had said this before, and, and he's mentioning the fact that people were calling him a blasphemer for even mentioning the fact that Jesus was married. Well, he was a blasphemer to be saying something about Jesus that isn't true. Uh, during the show two weeks ago, we received a telephone call from Charles Larson who mentioned the recent papyrus fragment that supposedly indicated that Jesus had a wife. Now, Mr. Larson wanted to warn our viewers that this fragment is a fake. He has been on our show before. I don't know if you remember him, Charles Larson. He's written a book and call entitled By His Own Hand Upon Papyrus, which debunks the fact that the book of Abraham could possibly be a true uh, translation. It was not. That's, all, that's a proven fraud right there. But anyway, Charles Larson wanted our viewers to understand that you can't, that nobody can go and say, well, this fragment proves that Jesus was married. I checked out what he said. Yeah, <coughs> I checked me. it out too. And what he said was true. Indeed, the fragment obviously is contemporary, cut and paste job from another document. And it was only about two Just inches by three thing. inches, so yeah. and written somewhere 800 AD or something. Yeah, so it was way past the time. Yeah. Of course, yeah. uh, so so Jesus was, uh, there's no evidence at all that Jesus was married or fathered children. Of course, we already knew that. <laughs> we didn't have to be convinced of that because we know and we trust God to keep his promises and the integrity of his word, the Bible. Okay, the next strange teaching that we need to debunk, and it shouldn't uh, be too difficult, this one just... It's so strange. Brigham Young, where he denied several times, we're yeah. going to have one quote, that Jesus, he denied that Jesus was begotten by the Holy Spirit, despite God's own testimony that he was. In Matthew one twenty, it says, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, of course, this is referring to the virgin conception yeah. of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. but the twisted version of Brigham Young yeah. said. 
Yeah, you're going to have to pay attention to this, kind of. If the Son was begotten by the Holy Ghost, it would be very dangerous to baptize and confirm females and give the Holy Ghost to them, lest he should beget children. Kind of paints a strange picture of the Holy Ghost, <laughs> it's so doesn't it? strange, Lest yes. he should beget children to be palmed upon the elders by the people, bringing the elders into great difficulties. When I first read that, it was so difficult. Uh, it's so ridiculous. I couldn't believe even Brigham Young said that. Yeah. You know, he said some really dumb things, but that one was over the top. Well, and I know Bruce R. McConkie and, and others have talked about uh, God the Father coming down and having a personal sexual relationship with Mary. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I guess this is just part of that whole concept. that. Uh, I don't know, but, but imagine thinking that... <laughs> you get the gift of the Holy Ghost and he might... And the, he gets all the women pregnant. If, if, if he got Mary pregnant, he'd get all the other women. And then these poor women would have all these illegitimate kids that the Mormons had to take care of. That's what he's saying. That's, that's what he's saying. That's awful. The palmed upon the <laughs> elders of the people by the people. Very strange. Strange teachings from a man who called himself a prophet of God. Another odd comment by the scientist Brigham Young said says this. this in the journal of discourses it says so it is with regard to the inhabitants of the sun do you think it is inhabited i rather think it is do you think there is any life there no question of it it was not made in vain it was made to give light to those who dwell upon it and to other planets and so will this earth when it is celestialized now, Brigham Young, of course, had no clue that science was going to prove him wrong someday. He yeah. couldn't have known that. But, you know, I remember growing up, my mother teaching me this. Oh, you're kidding. She taught me that the sun was inhabited. I've heard it that, uh, that she obviously got it from this. Yeah. She read the early Mormon doctrine. Sure. And she said, in fact, she said God lived there. And that when, when he says here that the earth will be celestialized, she taught us that the sun, that the earth would become a sun yeah. and, and be bright like that. And that Jesus would be its God yeah. after what he did on the cross. That's on the 10th article of faith, that the earth will be renewed and celestialized. Re receive its paradisiacal <laughs> glory. Yeah. But even Joseph Smith, I think, had some funny things to say about the moon. Yeah, the inhabitants on the moon. Inhabitants on the moon. And, and little read, did he know Read it. those things and check them out. Uh, you know, it's funny too, Doris, I, I think some of the things that we, we hit with these discussions we've had over the last few weeks, in and of themselves, you kind of, as a member of the church, I just, just dismiss them. But when you really put them all together yeah. and, and try to what is this really saying and why are they saying all these different kinds of strange doctrines that aren't mm -hmm. biblical right. and they don't make any sense or strange in the first place, then really it should be begin to question what it is you really believe well, yeah, and why you're following exactly. so blindly. Why following blindly, yeah. exactly. We'll be talking about that in a minute too. You know, corruption is evident in all the early Mormon teachings of discrimination against the blacks. This uh, discrimination was not folklore, uh, as lately had, has been said it was. It was solid Mormon doctrine for well over a hundred years. It was believed and, and obeyed by all of Mormonism. For instance, from History of the Church, Volume 3, Joseph Smith said, quote, we do not believe in setting the Negroes free, end quote. Even though the mainline Mormon church has now set the blacks free from their own corrupt doctrine of discrimination, the polygamists remain faithful to their early Mormon teachings and are still highly prejudiced against the blacks. 
Joseph Smith and Brigham Young were both racists, as were all of the early Mormon leaders. You've got a quote both from Brig Joseph Smith and right. Brigham Young. Joseph Smith and History of the Church uh, says, Had I anything to do with the Negro, I would confine them by strict law to their own species and put them on a national equalization. And Brigham Young said in the Journal of Discourses, you see some classes of the human family that are black, uncouth, uncomely, disagreeable, and low in their habits, wild and seemingly deprived of nearly all the blessings of the intelligence that is generally bestowed upon mankind. Cain slew his brother, and the Lord put a mark upon him, which is the flat nose and black skin, that they should be the servant of servants. Mm. They were the first that were cursed, and they will be the last from whom the curse will be removed. Is that shocking? <laughs> that is very shocking, yeah. very shocking. From, from men of God. You know, uh -huh. again, these are the times, maybe. I know we had the Civil War back in 1860s but, and so but on. True. But true, I agree. But, the, the but times. apostles and, and people men of who God. are supposed to be speaking for God would yeah. not say this. Just, they wouldn't. There were people so. who knew the Bible and who knew God that knew slavery was wrong. They knew, yeah. That's why we had the Civil War, because they knew it was wrong, yeah, no biblically. And or, Right. Yeah. And, and here, these men who were supposed to be speaking for God don't know that it was wrong. You know, we've done several shows on the in the past on the blacks and polygamists and Mormon doctrine, and it's always so painful to read and to see the inhumane treatment that humans do to each other. The blacks, and this may shock some of you, but the blacks were also created in God's image. Yet fundamentalists follow early Mormon beliefs that they are God's special hand-picked people to carry on His work today, and polygamy is part of it. They believe that they are God's favorites and the black race are God's cursed rejects. We wonder how many of them know that Jesus Christ had black blood flowing through His veins. He did. We wonder what Joseph Smith and Brigham Young would have said had they realized that. If they knew their Bible, they would have known it. Not, not that there's any difference in blood, but to them there was. The book of Ruth tells us that she was from Moab, and the Moab people are black people. Ruth is in the genealogy to Jesus. Jesus had black ancestry, which really makes no difference anyway at no, all, but Brigham no, Young said one drop. He said one drop of black blood. Because God created all people in His image and He created everyone as equal with each other in value. Now we've got three scriptures from the Bible that uh, reinforce that thought. Uh, from Romans, for God does not show favoritism. In Ephesians, there is no favoritism with Him. And James, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. So favoritism in race or any other, to him there's not male nor female. There's no one above the no. other, no race above one another. It's ridiculous. So the polygamists are in error by exalting themselves above the black race. And Mormon leadership are deceitful when they lie about yeah. how their prejudices against the blacks began in the first place. This next strange teaching you must not let it get past you. It's very, very important. It's too important to ignore. And we talked about it uh, in a past, on a past show, but it was the statement that Joseph Smith made that revelations that he received were either from God or from himself or from the devil. 
Joseph Smith himself said it. It's something that we did talk about on the show several weeks ago, yeah. but it must be included in this so. particular series as being a very strange teaching. According to an address in All Believers, this is a booklet uh, written by Joseph or by David Whitmer, and he has in this a quote from Joseph Smith on page 31, where it quotes Joseph Smith as saying, quote, some revelations are of man, and some revelations are of the devil, end quote. Now, this also is written extensively in B.H. Roberts' Comprehensive History of the Church, Volume 1, page 162 through 166. Now, B.H. Roberts was, it's not a contrived statement. He no, was a he, church historian. Yeah, and a member of the 70, I think. And he was mm -hmm. not anti-Mormon. No. And yet he wrote about this as well. So how can we know what revelations are from God or from the devil or from an evil heart of a man? If even the prophet, Joseph Smith, didn't know, wasn't he a seer? Yeah, a prophet, seer, and revelator. <laughs> well, he's supposed to be a seer. Wouldn't he know? And, there, you know, there really is some disconnect here with the followers of Joseph Smith and these kinds of statements. The leadership knows he was a scoundrel. The leadership of all the polygamy groups know and so the leadership of the Mormon Church, they all know that Joseph Smith was a scoundrel. That's why they have gone to so much trouble for so many decades to cover up and whitewash his true character. We have an entire book here, an entire book of so-called revelations from a man who admittedly didn't know the difference between a revelation from God and a revelation from the devil. And people actually trust him? How blind yeah. can people be? Jesus said in Matthew 15, 14, quote, leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Jesus tells you, leave them. So why hasn't Joseph Smith been left behind? He doesn't even have proper discernment about his own perceived revelations. Now, the last part of Joseph Smith's statement is very, also very significant. Yeah, from, the, from this address to all believers in Christ, when a man inquires of the Lord concerning a matter, if he is deceived by his own carnal desires and is in error, he will receive an answer according to his erring heart, but it will not be a revelation from the Lord. Okay. Now, this is interesting, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? So, right. Joseph Smith knew that something in his own heart that he wanted, that he was saying was a revelation, wrote down in here. Would not be if it was uh, from his erring heart. <laughs> right, right. So, the, and, you know, this is probably the only semi-accurate thing that Joseph Smith ever said. <laughs> but according to Joseph Smith's statement, it's possible to receive an answer, but you will have no way of knowing if it's wrong or if it's true. And millions trust Joseph Smith. Yeah. With that in mind, Joseph Smith claimed he received a revelation on polygamy. And since Joseph Smith himself admitted he could be deceived in revelation by his own carnal desires, and since polygamy fulfills the carnal desires of many men, and since polygamy was never a command of God but was a no-no, we can accurately conclude that, jo that plural marriage was not a revelation from God. The Bible doesn't support polygamy, period. 
And in that same revelation, he threatens Emma if she doesn't accept it. She will and be he, destroyed. And he, Joseph used that a lot with women. I, that Nauvoo polygamy book show, mm -hmm. demonstrates many times that Joseph would go in and say, this has been commanded by God, and thus yep. saith the Lord. And, mm -hmm. and, and in, in, uh, he promised... He promised salvation, exaltation, or destruction, and that was the yeah, tools. Threatened them. Threatened them. Threatened them if they didn't accept it. And that's the tools that the polygamy groups use today. The same tools Joseph Smith used in those days. Wow. And it's it's pretty. I, I can tell you from experience, it's a pretty hard thing to take. You got uh -huh. that hanging over your head all your life. Even after I left for years, I didn't know the truth, and yeah. so that was still hanging over my head because I had been pounded into me all these that. years. And it yeah. all came from Joseph Smith. Now, to make it worse, and which is what we've just been talking about, instead of feeling guilty of adultery. Polygamists make the women feel guilty if they don't comply, and then God gets all the blame. Yeah. How convenient is that? The doctrine of polygamy was Joseph Smith's own carnal desire from his own erring heart, which he taught, he pursued it, he practiced it, he lied about it, he got thrown in jail because of it, and ended his life in a gunfight, all a result of of his practice of polygamy and lying about it. His history is so whitewashed too, and I know even with this black issue, Brigham Young's taking the heat, I guess, according to the article of the, uh, from the LDS church, that yeah. uh, it's Brigham Young's fault that there's racism. But mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, they just try to whitewash Joseph Smith's and history. And I think for a long time, they tried to make Brigham Young the scapegoat for polygamy too, Probably. until all this stuff started coming out about, about Joseph Joseph's Smith. And people and have been shocked to learn that he was such a polygamist. Yeah. That's true. And I'd like to mention here, too, this information, we've already said this, but I'll say it again, this information is not anti-Mormon unless your own history is anti-Mormon, because this is all Mormon history, and you can find it in your books if you'll look. That is why your leaders don't want you to look. They don't want you to check out true Mormon history, because it really is anti-Mormon. Tragically, too many lives have been and are being ruined because of Joseph Smith's strange and carnal doctrine of polygamy as an essential for eternal life. Today as we speak, tens of thousands of polygamists are doing it because Joseph Smith lied about it. By this alone, he has proven himself to be no prophet of God. The reasoning that Joseph Smith was only a man and was subject to mistakes is unacceptable. Of course he was only a mere man, so why is he being placed on such a high pedestal? Why justify his errors and his deceit? Why isn't he tossed out? He's just a mere man. Why not just follow Jesus? Jesus didn't sin. He wasn't subject to error. He made no mistakes. He didn't lie about things. Jesus was perfect, and he has built his church that he promised the gates of hell would not prevail against. Then Joseph Smith comes along and says the gates of hell did prevail against, and he had to restore it, calling Jesus a liar. Of course he was merely a man, which only proves that all of Mormonism is from man and not from God. As a doubter of the Mormon faith recently remarked, quote, mistakes were made is not a good enough answer to every question. 
because that's what they're saying yeah. now. Oh, yeah. mistakes were made, we admit no, it. It wasn't Th perfect. That's not a good enough answer to these questions at all. It's not just that mistakes were made, it's that deliberate lies were told. Planned deceit has been contrived. Massive cover-ups have been practiced and they still are. Joseph Smith needs to be removed and Jesus Christ put in his proper place. Anything you'd like to add to that? No, it's just, it uh, just seems so clear now and I'm just <laughs> not sure how I missed it for so long. And did you miss it, or did you even know about it? I, most of this stuff I didn't know about. You were not no, aware of it. You no. never wrote it. Well, I spent more, most of my time reading the Book of Mormon and uh -huh. uh, being quietly blind against uh -huh. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever hear that the Book of Mormon was a fraud, and did you ever check it out? I studied it thoroughly, and it actually undertook a verse-by-verse -verse and got into uh, where Abinadi was at. But um, no, I, I had no... I never put... Again, put two and two together about the DNA and the archaeology and the lack of mm -hmm. swords and metal and coins and so on and yeah. so on. I just it just never and never and put I just two and two together. I just read that another family of seven who was a quite a, had quite a lot of work that they were doing within the church itself found out about the DNA just today. I read this really and and it is leaving the church. Their whole family is leaving the church because of the DNA issue. They find finally finding the truth after all this time. It's been out for years, yeah. but he didn't know about it until he started reading up on it. An interesting thing is, the LDS and probably the polygamists as well should go to. Uh, DNA research and look up Polynesians and uh, Tongans and Samoans mm -hmm. because we have that belief in the more in the church that they left South America the Nephites or Lamanites who left South America and came populated those, mm -hmm. those southern Pacific islands yeah. Yeah. but they're just from Asia yeah, the DNA just, the just DNA proves first. that they came down the Asian trail there and, right. and populated those countries. Right, strange. absolutely. It is very strange. Yeah. Okay, well, we are going to open up the telephone lines now. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. We'd love to hear from you if you have questions or comments. Uh, please turn your television volume down when you get on the air. And we do accept calls with people who have differing opinions. We just expect you to not yell at us and uh, to allow a t at least a two-way conversation. If you don't allow a two-way conversation, we will disconnect you. So we are uh, going to uh, share our message with you right now as the telephone calls come in. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand 
of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and with uh, our co-host, Earl Erskine, former bishop uh, in the LDS Church, we are discussing some very strange teachings of the early Mormon church, the polygamous leaders and yeah. teachers of the early Mormon church, from which our contemporary Mormon polygamous groups uh, have come from and they believe and um, hang on to those early Mormon teachings. Uh, we have opened up our telephone lines. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820 if you'd like to call in, have a question, or just enter into the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we do have a call coming right now, but right now I'd like to cover one more of these strange teachings before we answer the telephone. I hope we can get to this one. <laughs> <laughs> and it is that Brigham Young taught that Mormonism was not to be taught to the Jews. This will surprise you. <laughs> okay, I would rather undertake to convert 5,000 Lamanites than to convert one of those poor, miserable creatures whose fathers killed the Savior and who say, Amen to the deed, to this day. Yea, I would rather undertake to convert the devil himself if it were possible. I would say, leave them and come home. The Lord does not require you to stay there, for they must suffer and be damned. Wow. Isn't that... Another prophet of God statement. <laughs> another prejudicial statement. Yeah. And didn't, for, for the longest time until 1978, didn't they even stop the missionaries from, from going to the blacks and, and giving the gospel to the blacks as well? Well, yes. For a yeah, while? Until... Yeah, we were, as missionaries, we weren't to, to teach the blacks. Yeah, wow. So, I so, mean, if the, if the blacks wanted to come in and took it upon themselves to, to, to come to the church and so on, we, we, we wouldn't turn them away, mm -hmm. but we didn't proselytize but the mission, them. Yeah. But the mission, and so, and so here Brigham Young is, is absolutely, if, if their gospel was true, uh, if it was true, he wouldn't do this. But if it was, then he was stopping this two groups of people yeah. from hearing the gospel of salvation. Father forgive them it, for they know not <laughs> exactly. what they do. Exactly. <laughs> but but it, and it's too bad that Brigham Young was clueless about biblical teachings. In Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, Jesus himself said, "Therefore go and make disciples of all nations," which in, includes all nations, right? Yes. Isn't the word all yeah. <laughs> mean something here? Of course, that includes the Jews. And then Romans 1.16. Yeah, this is my, one of my favorite scriptures. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first the Jew 
and then for the Gentile. First for the Jew. Yeah. Poor Brigham Young. <laughs> he, he didn't even know that the Jews actually had first priority in God's plan to hear and receive Jesus's gospel, which merely confirms that he was a very ignorant and prejudiced man and was not a man of God. Okay, we do have um, a phone call coming in, also an off-the-air question. If men can have multiple wives, why can't women have more than one husband? Um, you know, I asked my mother that when I was you growing did. up. I had heard about, I was getting indoctrinated on the polygamy thing, and it ticked me off. <laughs> I was mad about polygamy, and I got a lot of lectures about it too, and that didn't make me happy either. So one time in one of my little spurts of anger, I, I asked mom, why did it have to be that way? Why couldn't the women have tons of husbands? And she gave me the excuse that if a man has several wives, he can have more children. But if a woman has several husbands, she can't have any more than so many kids. But That's what I've heard. <laughs> I was too young to, to figure through that and ask the question back. You know, one man with seven wives cannot have any more children than seven married men, husbands. each with one wife. And there's all the you know, equal they birth. They only have so many children. Right, there, and there's equal birth rates. So, you know, somebody loses in polygamy. They always lose. Women can't have more than one husband in the Mormon doctrine of polygamy because Joseph Smith was a man and he made up the doctrine and he wanted all the wives. <laughs> okay, we have on line one uh, Luke calling from Spanish Fork. Hello, Luke. Yes, ma'am. Um, I hate to bug you, but uh, I've been listening to your show uh, now for oh, a couple of years, and I just want you to know that I admire you and appreciate you for your efforts to expose polygamy, the, the falsehoods of Mormonism, and, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I grew up IFB, I was independent fundamental Baptist, my dad is a pastor, and uh, so I know what Christianity teaches, um, and for a while when I was younger, I left the Christian church, joined the LDS church, but then recently in the last four or five years, I've uh, left the LDS church because of I don't, I don't believe in living prophets, I don't believe in celestial marriage, but uh, with Christianity, I am struggling with Christianity, I don't believe in the Trinity, and I don't believe in some of the doctrines that you guys teach, but I do admire you, I respect you a lot, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> God, I, I feel that God has called me to start a new church, and I've been in the process, I've got a new uh, a, a Bible study going on, and we're teaching a new religion called Bereanism. It's based off of Acts chapter 17 through 21. And my question for you is, do you know the difference between Christianity and the gospel? And is, does the Bible teach Christianity, or does it teach just the gospel? I was just curious about what you have to say about that. Um, well, first of all, if you are a true Berean, and you're going to name your, tr your church that, you will find the truth if you are the, a true Berean and search the scriptures every day to see if things uh, are true. As far as the gospel and Christianity, Christianity is based on the gospel. There is no Christianity without the biblical gospel. It just can't possibly be. That is our foundation. And 1 Corinthians tells us that no foundation can be laid than the foundation that's already been laid, and that is Jesus Christ. Okay. 
So that's, do you have anything to add to that? Just that fellowship is important, but where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I also. And uh, the gospel is, is just the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the grace that he offers to us as a free gift. Mm -hmm. A free gift, 100% grace, no works. Yeah, because the question, you know, another question I have that just came to my mind was, I have a couple of girls that just got saved, and uh, we don't have a good Christian church to go to right now. We live in Spanish Fork, and we got a Bible study going on, and we're studying the, the concept of religion versus the Bible, because uh, we, we all have left the LDS Church. We do not uh, agree with Joseph Smith, we gave that up. We gave up the Book of Mormon. Good. I mean, I was hardcore LDS four years ago. The girls were hardcore LDS four years ago. And because of your show, I mean, we want to applaud you and thank you for your show because it opened up our eyes to the falsehood of Mormonism. But at the same time, you know, I don't know if it's because of our time in the Mormon church or not, but we just disagree with the Trinity. We disagree with certain issues. We're still young in the faith. But we did get saved. We do believe in salvation by grace alone. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one thing you and I can agree on. Bible, mm -hmm. it's either the Bible. The motto for our church right now is Bible or nothing. That's right. And it, that's exactly right. Again, ma'am, I'm sorry? The Bible or nothing is exactly right because there is yeah, nothing yeah. else that God will accept. Yeah. There's nothing else that has God's word. Luke, if and you... another motto that we have is no myth, just God. Okay, and you... Luke, I was just going to... Luke, I was just going to ask you if you could leave your phone number with the uh, uh, operator. Can we do that? Yeah, you bet. And, yeah, uh, yes, sir. And then I don't maybe know how be to in do touch. that, so you guys will have to tell me how to do that. Well, I think we can we'll put you on. Talk to you guys. On, we'll put you, put you on, on hold. hold. Yeah, and then an operator will pick up the call, and you can leave the phone number. And uh, Earl or someone will contact you. Because one of the things that happens when you leave Mormonism without making a, a smooth transition to the Bible is that you just throw the baby out with the bathwater. And there, yes, sir. There's a and what I'm trying to teach the girls is we do not want to give up God. We do not want to give up Jesus or the Holy Spirit. But uh, we do not want to give up the Bible either. We just want right. to give up Joseph Smith, right. the Book of Mormon, because yeah. we have nowhere else to go. Right. We have a lot of people we don't trust, and you know how that goes. Yeah. You left the LDS Church, uh, Bishop Earl, yeah. and so you know how that goes. And so we're just, we have a lot of questions, and we're a young church. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're not official. We're not recognized by the state yet, but we are a group or a hardcore group that believes in the Bible and God alone. Well, it, and, and we appreciate that, and I'm going to put you on hold, but it, it's, okay. it, it's, like, um, it's like you said, where two or three are gathered together, in His name, He's with you. And if you're yes, seeking truth, you so if you're seeking truth, you will find it. God promises. Okay, I'm going to put you on hold, and you, uh, the operator will pick it up and get your phone number. Thank you, Luke. Okay. On line two, we have Dwayne calling from Bountiful. Hello, Dwayne. Yes. You're on the air. Um, I heard on MSNBC by, by Lawrence O'Donnell, and he made the comment that Brigham Young in his Journal of Discourses, because you were talking about black people in the church, said that if uh, a priesthood holder is caught having sex with a black woman, that he should be killed on the spot. Have you ever heard that? Oh, yes. <laughs> that was Brigham Young's. And, you know, there, there, I have purchased a book where in that book there's a whole chapter on why Brigham Young didn't want to give blacks the priesthood. And that is a big part of it. We're going to do a show on it sometime in the next couple of months. But he absolutely did say that. He said, kill him on the spot, run him through with a spear, he said, or blood atone them. Well, just recently they've come out and said that the idea of 
of uh, the blacks with uh, not having the priesthood. That was Brigham Young's idea. Uh huh. And that's what we're going to be uh, talking not about. Not really uh, yeah. from the main church. But I just want to say I've gotten back into the history of the church uh, extensively, and I've come to the conclusion it's a bunch of baloney. So. <laughs> well, it's all based on some very flimsy stuff, for sure. It's, oh, yeah, there's so much crap and it's that not, went on back there. Mm. Uh, a lot of people don't know it. And Jesus said a bad root produces a bad tree. Yeah. So we can't say we just put it all behind us and make it all better. No, you got to start brand new. You got to start with the basis, the foundation, which is the Bible and Jesus Christ only. Yeah. Okay. Well, I enjoy your program. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for man. calling. Okay, we have on line three Joe calling from Sandy. Hello, Joe. Yes. You're on the air. Yes. Yes. Uh, I wanted to talk to you, uh, just recently, the LDS Church issued a paper in regards to the racist issues that were in the church, primarily in and around the time when Joe uh, Bingham Young was running the church. And they basically said, in this new uh, publication, official publication, that Joseph Smith was responsible for all the anti-racist comments and attitudes of the church. This was recently. Of course, they have said before that uh, if a paper that they put out doesn't see favor, then it's no good because it didn't come from the prophet. But mm-hmm. my question is to you is, do you foresee a mainstreaming of the church so much so that, say, in 20 years from now, Joseph Smith himself will be excommunicated. <laughs> excommunicated. Let's Joseph let you Smith. answer this question. <clears throat> Do I see in 20 years from now Joseph Smith being excommunicated? I mean, because they're picking on Brigham Young yeah. now. Maybe they'll no, finally pick on no, him. No, no, excuse me. I meant, Joseph, I meant, uh, I meant uh, Brigham Young. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I meant Brigham Young because... Yeah, they'd never excommunicate a prophet. ...on him. <laughs> no, they... They're trying to per- purge themselves of these issues... Well, they need to start with Joseph Smith if they're going to purge themselves of the issues. The the one advantage the church has, and probably the polygamous groups as well, is that nobody checks anything out. Yeah. Uh, Nobody's reading this kind of stuff. And if they do, they'll just blame Brigham Young. They they wouldn't ask for his excommunication, but it'll make Joseph Smith look fine. And the Mormons basically aren't going to check anything out. And they'll just stay blind and follow the profit. But there are numbers, numbers of people leaving the LDS church. I don't know how many are leaving polygamy groups at this point, although I know there's a lot of people leaving some of the groups, but there are unnumbered hordes of people leaving the The LDS church. The church is doing a very subtle overhaul. Yes, they are. But they're not being truthful. They're still not coming out with the truth, and that's the trouble. They, 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 they're, but they're, what they're doing, for example, on the book of Abraham, they have now said, even though Joseph Smith himself said, I translated the mm-hmm. book, the papyri into yeah. the book, yeah. Yeah. I translated because I had the ability to do it. I, I designed and wrote a, a dictionary of Egyptian called Reformed Egyptian. He said all this. The papyri that we now have has been proven to totally false. Right. 
as to what was in the, the, the didn't even match it, didn't even say the word Joseph Abraham one time. Right. No. And, and ironically, Joseph Smith, when he did his translations, he translated as he, we do, from left to right. Well, and and the whole those days that the Egyptians wrote from right to left. Well, Joe, it's just it was impossible for him to translate. It was, and it wasn't a translation. They want him to. They're saying it's inspired now from the translation. But then he spent how many thousands of dollars to buy that? Why did he spend all the church's money to buy something that he could have uh, been inspired to write just looking at a rock, yeah. which is what he did with the Book of Mormon? The, we have the new, another. The new we have another. Show. Book of Abraham is. Yeah. We have another call coming in, Joe. Thanks, oh, yeah. thanks for your call. It's not that he didn't uh -huh. translate them now, it's changed. He didn't translate He just used them as an inspiration. That's what I just said. Book. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for calling, Joe. We appreciate your comments. Not a problem. Okay, bye. Okay, very quickly, we have Kim calling from Manti. Hello, Kim. Hi, Doris. Hello, how's your husband? Um, he's doing well, thank you. Good deal. <laughs> hey, I just have a question for um, for Earl. I was wondering, when he was a Mormon, if he was ever told or taught or maybe through a patriotical blessing that um, he, he had the Israel uh, blood through, oh. running through his veins. Well, we're, yeah, the... Mormons, I don't know about polygamists, but they, they believe that we're adopted into the house of Israel. I was from the tribe of Ephraim, along with okay. most so, of the other so you LDS. you would have been a Jew, right? Well, I would have been from the house of Israel, or, or Ephraim, uh -huh. Joseph, Jew, Jew. Jews specifically, I see where or Kim's from going. Judah. I can but. see where she's going. Good thinking. Yeah, because <laughs> the Bible is very clear for for... In the book of Revelation, it says that it's blasphemy for those who say they're Jews and are not. Yeah. They're yeah. from the synagogue of Satan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good And I, I personally know people that have been told yeah. they, they are Jews, and it's something about the adoption that they're adopted through the blood. Yeah. That's right, Kim. That is and, a great point. And also another point from Revelation is... Um, Oh, the thought just left me. I'm sorry. It, it's a good, oh, they test the apostles. One of the things that Jesus commended a church for, because they test the apostles and found out that they were false, which we would suggest that our culture do. Thanks for calling, Kim. That was a great call. Thank you. Uh -huh. Thanks, Kim. Okay. Good night. Good night. Okay. Well, we're getting towards the end of the show. We have one call left, line two. Rob from Springville, if you would leave a message or a phone number, uh, we would be happy to get back to you, or you could call again next week, but we don't have time to take the call right now. Thank you. There were some more things left yeah. to talk about. We Thanks, didn't Doris. get to. You, some wonderful but, things. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll, listen. we'll do another show with more of it from, from what we missed, but we did get through mo much of it, which uh, I'm grateful. And we just, uh, together, we, we ask our viewers, check these things out. It matters. All of these things do matter. They're not just incidentals, but they are very important. It's your soul at risk. It's your soul that's at risk for eternity. You know, and we talked about this during the show. Uh, we keep hearing all the time 
that it's all right that Joseph Smith made mistakes as leader of his new Mormon religion, that he was just a man subject to error. He wasn't perfect. He never said he was perfect. We cannot expect him to have been perfect. He failed in some things. Let's forget them and move on and focus on the good things they say. Well, our response is this. He was just a man, so why are you following just a man? That's why we follow Jesus. Joseph Smith was subject to sin and error and guilty of a lot of it, just like we are all guilty of sin and error. That's the whole problem. So why follow and revere a sinful man? That only proves that Mormonism is from man and not from God. Christianity does not exalt and follow mere men. We follow Jesus who did not sin, who wasn't subject to personal failure, who was God in the flesh, who lived a perfect life, who taught perfect doctrine and lived what he taught. Jesus who died for our sins to save us because he lived a perfect life himself. So why do you follow Joseph Smith or any man when Jesus invites us and offers us his free gift of eternal life? Why follow a sinful man like Joseph Smith or anyone else? For heaven's sakes, give him up and follow only Jesus. Revering a sinful man confirms Jesus' charge in Mark chapter 7 where he said, You have let go of the commandments of God to follow the commandments of men. Why reject God's simple and perfect way and embrace a sinner's way instead? God says, Choose life. It is Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. Follow Him only. But to do that, you must forsake all else. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.